Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My favourite Azealia Bank song is 212. It's episode number 172. Oh, it's a midweek Wizards and we are going to be uh, discussing the upcoming game against Blackpool as well as several matters for Stoke on and off the pitch. And I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, this will be my last Wizards or Drivel podcast for a while. So uh, let's just get straight into most the, of it. Yeah, exactly. Let's get straight into the first uh, thing that we sort of touched on a little bit on Drivel, but I thought maybe give a bit more kind of discussion time to uh, on the Wizards on the hashtag sensible pod. Um, yes, uh, Simon King and the sort of uh, fallout from the uh, I don't know what you call it, the the meet meet the chaps event at the uh, Bet365 the other day. Um, he seems to have gone down well in sort of the things he's said and is hoping for, uh, particularly with regards to fan experience. Do we think that this is Stoke finally taking these kind of things seriously or is it maybe a little bit kind of lip servicey? Um, I, I I hope it isn't. I think uh, it, at least even if it is lip service, at least it's better than what you talked about um, on the weekend pod of at least it isn't Tony Scholes just saying weird things like, you know, oh, free coaches are expensive, so therefore you can't have a nice home game. Um, I think there's the stuff, I think out today, the Sentinel sort of did a quite a big thing on talking about safe standing being quite seriously considered by the club as opposed to what we've sort of had 18 months of being told it's under review whenever the fan council have raised it um, is something that is, is really nice to hear. A shame on that front that it comes after we've replaced all of the seats in the ground. You'd think that might have been quite a good time to install some rail seating. Um, but I, I, on a whole, it seems like he is switched on with the the non-footballing side of the club, um, which yeah has been in desperate need of a refresh for a long time. Yeah, I was just on Simon King's LinkedIn page. Um, a career pretty much almost universally in football, uh, Stockport County, Hull City, uh, West Brom Chief Commercial Officer, and then uh, COO of Stoke uh, taking over Tony Scholes' job and yeah certainly he seems to uh, understand uh, why people like us have been kind of whinging a bit about uh, either safe standing or a fan zone or uh, kind of improving that kind of match day experience I'll just uh, quote via the Sentinel what, what he said in the Q&A it's a constant consideration. I'm sure you can appreciate this summer with all the work that has gone. The focus has been on that. There are 8,500 new seats in the main stand. There's a sports bar, which has seen £2.5 million of refurbishment. And there are a number of other projects the club, club has undertaken. As you can imagine, that's a huge, huge amount of work. Richard Smith and his team have been working tirelessly to get everything sorted for the start of the season. But safe standing is absolutely a conversation we've been having and a consideration for the future. If you're talking about atmosphere again, that'll be part of the conversation about how we can drive those supporters into a certain area of the ground to drive the atmosphere that we're all craving. Uh, that is a that is a good point. And I know that people will instantly kind of say like, you know, if the way to improve atmosphere is for the team to do better. That's, I think, a bit reductive as an argument because I look at, I don't know, a team like Crystal Palace, 
maybe they're a bad example because they're in the Premier League, but I consider them to be a club that people always associate with having a good atmosphere, regardless of the team's performance on the pitch. And there have certainly been better championship grounds for atmosphere than us. I, I, w- I wouldn't say we were anywhere close to... Um, one of the better clubs in this league for that. Um, and we've we've had Unita, the sort of Unita corner in the past, as, as that's been something that the fans have tried. But, I mean, how do you even work that, though? The, you're sort of getting the atmosphere from so, sort of certain sections of the ground rather than the sort of dotted around nature it's been at Stoke. I think yeah, the 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 Unita um, thing was like a good idea, but and the club facilitating it isn't far enough. I think that statement about it sort of a standing area becoming a focus for fans who want to you know go to games and sing. It's almost it almost has to be a bit of a forced migration. I don't think people are who even the people who do want to sing are willing to sort of just just go to another seat in the ground. People are. We're creatures of habit, um, so leaving where you normally sit for something that isn't any different is literally just another seat. It won't go anywhere, but I do feel, say, standing could create a fantastic environment. Um, yeah, without being a bit, that was a bit hyperbole. Um, and yeah, I think the bad atmosphere relates from everything being a bit crap at the grounds. We've definitely touched on that before, or and it's not a chicken and egg thing. I think it's a cyclical nature. So yes, the performances on the pitch would make the atmosphere better, but equally bad atmosphere makes performances on the pitch a little bit worse because fans are on players' backs a bit quicker because they're having a shit time. And equally, if people weren't having such a shit time and felt appreciated by the club, they're probably going to be a bit more willing to sort of be patient, be a bit more supportive. Um, So yeah, it's refreshing. I think I said a long time ago, um, last season when we were sort of discussing a new model and then it sort of appeared that we weren't actually going to change anything, that it's a really big opportunity for the club. It's like having new owners come in. Um, and it obviously isn't on a footballing side. We aren't going to sort of change much of what we've been doing recently, but but off the pitch, it's a big shift. And it should be a nice few years to sort of see it come in, uh, despite Stoke maybe going to leave one. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. One thing I was thinking about. This might be a bit of an apples and oranges comparison, but if you buy cricket tickets for a can, most test grounds, they will say like when you buy the ticket, you know, this is the sort of party section. So like the Western Terrace at Headingley, for example, um, and then it will be like, well, you can sit there. It's slightly cheaper. It's a party atmosphere, or you can go over here, which is a better view of you know, behind the bowler's arm or something. And it kind of explains what the sort of vibe of each stand is about. Now, it's slightly different because, you know, at Stoke, there's not going to be uh, as many kind of first-time visitors to that stadium than there would be for like an England test match. But it's, you could, they, they could make a thing on the, on the website or like on where, when you buy your tickets, for example, of making it clear, like, you know, if, if you if you want a sort of more raucous atmosphere, or if maybe they wouldn't use that word raucous, but if if you um, if you are a more vocal fan, let's say, then maybe recommending or guiding them towards yeah. those certain areas of the ground, it it doesn't take a lot of effort on the club's part. It's just like writing a few words on the website, 
and it kind of gives people a, a, a sense of what it's about. Like I wouldn't, you know, if you were taking your family to the uh, ground, you've got the family stand. Um, but like, if you're just going like, say you're a ground hopper or something, you don't want to be in block 19. You want to be sort of somewhere else. I, I would imagine. So that, that could be something that is kind of maybe easily remedied and maybe I should just tweet someone on think, the fans council now. I think we actually do it anyway for away matches. I think for away matches, they always sort of have an addendum on the website of being like, if you want to sit down at an away game, please buy a ticket at the front because yeah. we don't necessarily need to, we, we know that everyone's going to stand up at an away game on a whole and we don't need to force people out of that behaviour. We can just sort of intermingle everyone. So I think what it will take is a bit of a push from the club. So not necessarily incentivizing it by being like, oh, it's cheaper, although that is sort of how a lot of say standing is supposed to work. Mm. Um, but something along the lines of, I don't know, maybe if you if you feel like you're a more vocal fan and you want to move and you're moving from your current place, say, I don't know, here's 20% off something, I don't know what, here's a free beer, something just little and daft that yeah. makes it just makes it be a bit more like, oh, well, go on then, that's what I wanted to do anyway. And now the club have done a, th- a bit of a thing to make sure I know that that's going to happen and move on from that. Yeah, because they, they offer season ticket swaps at the start of the season. And I feel like there are certainly quite a few fans who who would think, oh, I'd swap my seat if I was somewhere with a bit more atmosphere in it. And if that was kind of made maybe a little bit more explicit, the club's saying like, oh, you know, that south east, southwest corner, um, you know, we we want to uh, get sort of our, our sort of more, more vocal fans in there, then that might sort of just, Trigger thought, oh, actually, I'll give that a go, even if it's just for a season or whatever, or just for a game. Uh, but yeah, um, certainly Simon King's saying all the right stuff. Uh, we remains to be seen what the new Delilah's bar is going to look like and if it will be open post-match. But um, yeah, let's move on to things on the pitch. Uh, so we've got Blackpool at home, which feels, you know, eminently winnable, but sort of you know, grounds for disaster as well. This was the fixture last season that kind of really sort of uh, got people's uh, backs up. Um, we'll start with our opponents before we talk about Stoke. Have Blackpool done anything interesting this summer? Are they an interesting team? Uh, what should we be scared of? What should we not be scared of? Tell us about Blackpool, please. Uh, well, the interesting thing that they did was lose their manager to Aston Villa's assistant manager position basically mm. so uh their current manager is someone whose name escapes me uh but is relatively inexperienced as far as oh no or is it appleton do they hire appleton oh my god this is so professional um google blackpool manager google, michael appleton yes it michael. is appleton yeah so yeah. they've appointed appleton um that actually makes this a lot easier for me uh they will probably be playing this the 433 they played um against um, Reading, who they beat uh, at the weekend. It will be a aggressive 4-3-3. They are uh, high-pressing. Probably won't be too much sort of interestingness going on in possession, but they will be pressing on to our back three, which, uh, you know, is a big problem for us that we definitely saw against Millwall. So 
it, again, it, it, the game probably turns much as the Millwall game on Stoke in possession versus Blackpool out of possession. Uh, and whoever wins that battle will probably win the game. They were a bit lucky. Well, oh, I'm just basing games off one XG, one game off XG, not good, not good behavior, but screw it. We don't have any other stats to go off. Hmm. They, they, yeah, they, they were outperformed by Reading, although they did score very early. So match state, maybe that the, the, they were leading and soaking up a bit more pressure. Um, yeah, it's a bit early in the season for anything more than that. We don't like judging things off single games. We like trends. So there's your take. Okay, fair enough then. So, uh, like, do we anticipate many changes from the Stoke point of view? Like, I don't know whether to sort of even invoke the spectre of potential new signings or not, but I think a lot of people will be clamouring for small bone to start, uh, certainly ahead of Klukas and potentially a change either up front or at the back as well. Like, um, we'll, st- we'll start with up front. We'll start with the front two. Uh, do you think we will see some rotation there? Do you think um, it will be a case of trying to bed Dwight Gale in to sort of, you know, find his uh, famous finishing touch? Or is this a game for Jacob Brown? Uh, you know, if, if they're going to be pressing our defenders, we uh, Brown is a much better pressing forward than... Campbell or Gale, you'd expect. So, what do we think is going to happen with the with the front two, or even is is there going to be another name in this hat? I uh, I mean, yeah, that name. Um, I, I'd be very surprised. We we are recording currently as we speak at like twenty six minutes past eight on Wednesday evening. Um, so, I'd be very surprised if a certain Mister Zlap was starting. I I'd be surprised to see a change I was shocked that, that Gale started in the first place and I do think tactically it was a big old error against Millwall to throw him in when we know Brown isn't necessarily a target man but he's got a bit more physicality and bastardiness about him to mean that the long balls we were sort of ending up lumping to them too didn't work and that I'd hope is in O'Neill's mind that that we're going to be coming up against the Blackpool team who are going to deny us time and space in possession which means we're much more likely to go long which means you probably need someone who can run in behind and stretch a defense if they push really high up against us and you also need someone who won't really care about getting the shit kicked out of them so for me that would be brown and campbell um i think it's a lot to expect gale to just come in and be dwight gale i think we've got a history of using cup games and stuff quite well under O'Neill to bed in youth players, new players. So I think with, uh, with the cup game against Morecambe on the Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it is, um, I, and I hope O'Neill and maybe expect O'Neill would go Brown and Campbell. Will Liam Delap make us better as a team? Like, obviously we've all seen the clips. We've all seen him, you know, his cameos for Man City and stuff. And, you know, uh, signing anyone from Man City, like even anyone Pep Guardiola's like said hi to in the street is probably automatically rendered a five times better footballer than you or I. But um, does he add a different dimension? Is he go- is he going to be a sort of different outlet? Is he going to be a sort of a target man who's also good at several other things? Or is he just going to be maybe a bit of a fish out of water in the sense that he 
he might be amazing with the ball at his feet, but will we get the ball to his feet enough? Uh, no, I think from Guardiola's comments, which I read somewhere today or yesterday, don't. So it seems this is totally guessing. He comes to us. It seems Guardiola is sort of wanting to give him a bit of a baptism of fire in the sense of Guardiola said that he is a very British striker. And I think by that, he means like a Shearer type striker. So Mm. he's big. He can get in behind quite quickly. He finishes well. But Guardiola said, and obviously a Guardiola striker is very important for them to be able to do this. Guardiola said something along the lines of, but the thing he really needs to work on is his link-up play. Um, So expecting him to come in and be a target man but score goals is, I, I think, wrong. Just because he's tall doesn't make him a target man. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean he won't be able to win headers for us. And again, it's that baptism of fire thing. I think he wants him to come to the championship and get used to playing with the ball at his feet whilst getting lumps kicked out of him, which he definitely won't get at under-23 level and won't get in cup matches for Man City. So will he make us better? I, I hope so. He's, he's an incredibly talented footballer. He's one of the highest rated prospects in the country. And Guardiola, you know, has had him training with Man City's first team for like two years now with a couple of injury issues in between there. He definitely gives us another problem, I think, um, which I think we had on the list to talk about of, we're now going to have four strikers, Liam Delap, Jacob Brown, Tyrese Campbell and Dwight Gale. I, I can't, see with the state our budget's in it being very justifiable to be only picking two of those in a starting lineup mm. and so certain, now and certainly none of those four will be content to sit on the bench i mean no so- uh, yeah and quite rightly so really because brown's just sort of come off a, a breakout season really campbell is allegedly back to himself after pre-season and dwight gale is you know he's the championship dwight gale um, and yeah, Delap's coming for game time. He's not coming to sit on the bench. So maybe that indicates a bit of a shift of, of ideas. Uh, O'Neill certainly doesn't seem to be someone who's ultra wedded to formations. Um, despite the fact we have played a lot of three, five, two, he changes from that every now and again, without it being a, a, a big shift and often comes back to it. So Maybe maybe there's something a bit different happening in the water with Gale coming in. Yeah, the the thing that I mean that is a fair point about the sort of um, yeah pot- potential uh, overloading of uh, players who can play in that those two centre four positions. I would wonder from Man City's and also Liam Delap's point of view uh, now that. Obviously, there's a Vincent Company connection at Burnley, but now that they're playing a sort of more sort of on the deck style of football, whether the powers that be in Man City might prefer him to play for Burnley, not saying they play like Man City yet, but certainly seem maybe a lot more kind of comfortable in possession based on that one game against Huddersfield. Yes, I know. Um, than, than we do, for example. Um so, yeah, it could be an interesting one. I know there's been certain people on Twitter sort of suggesting it's close or it's nearly done or, you know, all the rest of it. And Magic so Friday, <laughs> five o'clock signing. Yeah, this, this miraculous um, 
your thing Stoke do where we drop a transfer bollock at the last minute, may come back to haunt us and render this last five minutes of conversation entirely meaningless. But uh, we shall see what happens. Certainly, uh, I, I agree, it is exciting. Um, what we what we do is going to be really, really interesting. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tell us a lot about all four strikers, I think. Um, and I, I'm still holding out hope that we just find that way of just giving them chances because we've certainly got some some finishes there and we've got some sort of really I think all three strikers I'd say I'd describe as intelligent strikers you know they're, they're intelligent in different ways they, their attributes are different but I would describe them as like very sort of switched on players we just need to get the, them the service they need so speaking of that we'll talk we'll touch on the midfield I think as I mentioned, I think people are wanting small bone there. Is this a area of concern, like either defensively or offensively? Should we have tried to sign a proper Nick Powell replacement? I think that's what small bone is, really, mm. is, is, a, is a number 10 attacking midfielder who, yeah, it, it sh- should was probably just signed a little bit too late to come in against Millwall. I think yeah. Baker cannot be a number 10. Um, just seems totally wasted there. Klukas starting just so strange. I, I, I just don't understand it. We now, I, I think, I don't think midfield's an area of concern because where's, I think we have the... Sorry, um, might, might be a stupid question, but where's Jordan Thompson now? Well, yeah, that that surprised me. Uh, he seems to have. I remember Holden making some comments about him needing to add goals to his game, and since that comment, I don't think he's been seen. Um, bit strange, very strange. But I do think we sort of have a, a pretty well-rounded complement of midfielders now. We've got sort of Baker and Lauren, who are the all-action midfielders. Um, we've got Kilkenny, who's a bit of a playmaker. Who, you know. It, I think has looked a bit anonymous in pre-season at times, but it's pre-season, so it doesn't count. And when he came on against Millwall, was had some bright spells and definitely has some deep delivery, which is exciting. Uh, and he showed off once or twice to give Brown um, a decent a decent chance towards the end of the game. Uh, and then we've got Smallbone and Powell took over the attacking positions when Powell's back. So, yeah, I just think... Horses for courses, we we sh- we just tactically and performance just dropped a bollock against Millwall. Um, it's not the greatest thing to do. I hope we don't overreact and start throwing things out, throw a baby out with the bathwater. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just no glucose, please. Yeah, but I think that's fair enough. And uh, without even explaining your answer, who is your back three? For Blackpool. For Blackpool, Wilmot, Taylor, Jagielka. Wilmot, Taylor, Jagielka. I think we're in agreement there. Uh, come back, Harry Souter. Yeah, Harry, please. I'll tell you what, Harry Souter and this team is quite exciting for a number of reasons, least of all the distribution. Because uh, that, yeah, not only will he sort of be a much missed sort of player defensively, but oh God, I don't half miss his crossfield chip pingers um yes uh so that's tactics uh sort of dealt with for this episode let's look ahead to the whole championship schedule tom uh do you have any predictions for this weekend of championship football 
Uh, can I start with saying Norwich are going to lose again? Norwich are going to lose Oh, yes, I like this. I like this very much. And I might even throw in a cheeky James McLean winner because, you know. Why not? Yeah, opinions. Uh, so I'll go zero, Norwich, Wigan, one. Yeah, I think I think there could... I think there's usually a team that starts really poorly and ends up going up anyway. Um, I think Nor- Norwich could well be that. Um, yeah, um, I'm not sure if based on a couple of games they're going to do a Stoke but uh, yeah that's quite exciting uh, but also sort of a bit nerve-wracking for me because I've put them as being champions in my predictions league so right let's just uh, fire out some predictions for the entire weekend of football Birmingham Huddersfield whoa that must set the pulses rating of racing Friday night Huddersfield two Friday night games in a row yeah I know Huddersfield Sports, Huddersfield what right uh, they're but- going to lose yeah, because th- then they'll beat us. The oh, after. yeah, of course. Yeah, I think they're going to lose as well. 1 0 to Birmingham in a quite dull affair there. So you said at 12 30 on Saturday that Wigan are going to beat Norwich. I think Norwich will probably win that. It'll be one of those sort of. There's a very Carrow Roady kind of game where it's always sunny at Carrow Road. Don't, you, don't know if you've noticed always. this. It's always. always sunny in Carrow Road and they're going to win at 3 0. Burnley Luton is interesting. That could be a very good game. Yeah, I think that that screams because I think Burnley are going to go down the route of playing nice football, but getting worked out a bit too easily. And if someone's going to work them out too easily, it's Nathan Jones and his his his, his orange diamonds. Mm. So, so you think the wonderful shape might? Well, wonderful shape might beat Vincent Company's moving shapes. Ah, very good. I think I think that's going to be a feisty two-two. Uh, uh, well, so well, certainly from a sort of not the top twenty pod perspective, I, I hope for that. Uh, I couldn't really give a shit either way for the neutral. Sheffield uh, United Millwall, ugh, um, one nil. Brexit v Brexit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just uh, I'm off to Sheffield United uh, in a couple of weeks. On the day we play Middlesbrough at home, um, uh, I'm going to watch Sheffield United v Sunderland, which, you know, <laughs> gives me a similar sort of taste of the mouth as this game. Uh, yeah, Stoke-Blackpool. Let's. We haven't done a pr- prediction for a Stoke game in a while, but I think we're going to win 2-0. Ooh, I think we're going to draw one all. Ooh, Sorry. Uh, Just damn. that's a negative prediction as well. Preston Hull. I, I don't know. Hull are weird. Hull are weird. Hull are really weird. Uh, Hull are going to drop. Okay. No Bristol way. City, Sunderland. I don't know anything about Bristol City. I don't think I could even name... Well, I certainly can't name the manager. I couldn't tell you where Bristol Nigel is. Nigel Pearson. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And then they've got Alex Jones, I think, is... Uh, the info was guy. Think, yeah, yeah. He's also a young wing back. Uh, I don't know. But Bristol City are not my favourite team, and neither are the other team you said they're playing. Sunderland. Sunderland. Are we going to have another record low? Goal scoring weekend from the championship. I thought I did. I did think the first weekend was so it's such a letdown in terms of goals because we were bottom of the table because we lost two 0 which was quite yeah. sad. Um, yeah, I was quite disappointed. Not that I was watching it, but you know, I was quite disappointed with the start of the championship season uh, because 
yeah, you do often get the sort of mad weekends. I associate the mad weekends more with Christmas time. Uh, I think those are the weekends where you just get five fours and three alls all over the game. Yeah. Um, Swansea Blackburn. Swansea Blackburn. There's going to be a lot of passing in that match. Oh yeah. Um, and again, I just I don't know. You read out every game in the championship, and my brain's like one all draw. I, I keep reading out fiction and think, God, there's a lot of shit teams in this league. There is. It's a weird league. Yes. Uh, I think Swansea will win that. Uh, Reading, Cardiff. Again, just shit. <laughs> just ex-Stoke plays scoring. Yeah, I think Cardiff. Will be. I, think, I think we could see with Reading, like, like obviously Derby went were like down by Christmas because of the points deduction. But I think Reading could do like a spectacularly bad job of staying up. I think they could lose three nil at home to Cardiff and like no one would bat an eyelid. Um QPR Middlesbrough. Um I think that's going to be a Middlesbrough turn up and be a good team and annoy us all really by mm. doing so. Yes, I think they are quite a good team, aren't they? Um Cov Cov Rotherham. Now I've I've been see, I've been secretly hoping that Rotherham are quite good because I like them, <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be a tough tough ask for them. I think they'll lose that one nil, and then the 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 fixture on the Monday night is is this Premier League or Championship? It's West Brom Watford, and hmm, Watford are going to tear them a new one. You, I, you, I, <laughs> you think the Tricky Hornets are going to smash the league up? Yeah, I uh, in keeping with the serious nature of the midweek pods, I was watching it on my phone whilst watching Love Island, which was very, very <laughs> boring. Um, and I was just sat watching, I mean, their goal, you just see Emmanuel Dennis um, charging through the pitch along with uh, Saar, along oh, with... Oh, God, I forgot about <laughs> Saar. They've got... Along some, with, they've got... <laughs> and then how ha- Pedro pops up at the back post, oh, and I'm just shit. sat there like... Oh right, that that got Premier some big, League scary boys, is going to rip this league asunder this season. So I'm quite pleased because I put them in first place on my predictions, um, uh, because I think they're incredible. It, just that I don't really care who's behind them. That uh, Tom Cleverley was their captain. Just that front three, if if they stay fit. Uh, 75% of the season. Uh, yeah, Watford just sort of um, remind me of, like, you know, in zombie films where, like, the, you see maybe one or two zombies, you think, oh, this is fine. But then the, the sheer volume, and for some reason zombies in films are fast now, the sheer volume and speed of them just, like, they run through walls, like... They, they they could be quite terrifying. Uh, could the uh, glory? Can I go back to that game because it had it had one of my favourite moments ever for that goal. Just Sheffield United have three centre back, well, no, three defenders in the middle of the pitch as that counter attack starts, and they all just start charging towards the ball, and it's like, oh lads, c- come on, that schoolboy. <laughs> Just leave this massive space at the back post for Pedro to pop up in and score. Yeah, because that, they just ran after the ball. That is five aside stuff. Like there's there's two there's two men on the ball is like a sort of common five aside sort of complaint. Like why is there two of you chasing the same player? Just keep us stood there screaming. The shape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, goal side. Goal side. Goal side. Uh, right. 
Okay, so uh, hopefully this is a more fun week of championship football than the first week was. Certainly from a Stoke uh, point of view as well. Um, a very sort of interesting couple of days ahead as to whether uh, we add to our squad, whether that be in the form of Liam Delap or in the form of a centre-back, which people were alluding to on Twitter today, but I don't know how much I believe that. Uh, let's not talk about transfer speculation. He says, having already discussed Liam Delap's potential role in the Stoke team. Um, so, yes, I am off on a European tour um, and I shall see you, Tom, at Huddersfield in uh, a, week, a week and a bit's time. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me and for basically giving me a show where I can just read out XG. This was the only way we could keep you on. Uh, Cheers for listening, everyone. Go on, Stoke.